there are a there are a couple of um, pieces I want to do. There are actually three pieces I would like to do, but I don't think we're going to be able to do all three. I'll see two on Purim and one on Parshas Zohar. But I would like to get the two on Purim down first, at least, uh, as much as we can. And uh, then see, maybe we'll do the piece on Parshas Zohar also. So the first piece on Purim is a smaller piece, but it's just uh, such, a, such a key when sometimes you have someone who notes something very small in the Megillah that's really very big. Okay, now the, um, the edition I have of the Svasemis, they quote from the uh, Yosef Lekach. He says that you have to realize that absolutely everything in the Megillah is part of the Pirsum Hanes. That's why we're so fussy. If you miss a word, you weren't Yosef. So he says that means you're supposed to be able to look at every word in the Megillah and learn something from it. Now there's a posuk which tells us, this is Bey's posuk Yudalef, this is kind of right in the beginning, after Esther is taken. It says, Right? It says that every day, yom v'yom, every single day, Mordechai mishalech in front of the courtyard of the Beis Hanoshim, which was where Esther was locked up. And he was doing this to know, to hear, how is she doing, and what is being done to her, what might be done for her, etc. Okay, so the Svasema says like this. He says, Absolutely everything mentioned in the Megillah was necessary for the Nes. So that means, let's focus here on this picture. Mordechai mitalech, that his form means he wasn't going to somebody or some place. He was like pacing. He was walking back and forth in front of there. He said, This was a great thing that Mordechai did. He says, we're talking about four or five years of Mordechai, who was Mirosheya Sanhedrin, who was a great Talmud Chacham, who was a great Tzaddik, every day going to walk around the Chatzar Beis Hanoshim to see what was happening with Esther, what could be done with Esther. It says, She was an orphan. And she was in this agony of being imprisoned in the house of this non-Jewish king. Okay, so the Megillah is telling us something very nice that Mordechai did. How is this part of the Pirsumanes? It says, This was key. The schus of this, the merit of what Mordechai did for that one Jewish soul was what enabled him to bring about the miracle. The Medrash says like this in Esther Rabbah, Amr of Yaakov, Bar'acha, Amr lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you looked out for the well-being of one nefesh, to know how Esther is doing, by your life, you're going able to, to be able to look out for the welfare of an entire nation. 
That's what's described at the end of the Megillah. He was Doresh Tov La'amoy, V'dovesh Shalom L'chol That's the making, that's the beginnings, the backstory. A lot of times, Am Yisrael is in Tzara, in such a big state, in so many ways, so many places. What can I do? Nothing on a big scale. There's one person I can help out a bit, but that's the tiniest drop in the ocean of Tzaras that are there. What's that going to do? You have to realize that each thing like that is huge. Each thing like that can open the gates for everything. Just as the Gemara and Gittin, I mentioned that I think a few weeks ago, after the whole Kamtsa Bar Kamtsa story, it also tells a story about this um, man who had an apprentice, and the apprentice convinces uh, the man he wants to marry the man's wife. So he convinces the man that his wife is a terrible person, and the man eventually divorces her, but he had said he didn't have enough money for the ksuva. The apprentice lent him the money. And then when he married the man's wife, he said, now pay me back. He says, I don't have the money. He said, so you'll be my servant. And it said that as the man poured wine for them, a tear fell from his eye into the cup, and the fate of the churban was sealed. So if on the, that side of things, on the destructive side of things, causing pain to one Jew can be something which tips the scales into tragedy for the entire Jewish people, mida tova maruba, alachas kama v'kama, right, that doing something kind for that one person, right, is there. And that's certainly in the theme of Purim, of Mishloch Monos Ehu, Matonus Lev Yonim, that that makes sense now why those things are part of the celebration. They're really me'en hanes. The nes started, Mordechai got his power by taking care of one Jew. And it doesn't describe anything that was accomplished by this. Right? It doesn't say, and he found out that Esther needed this and he helped her with this. Nothing. It didn't do anything. But he tried all that he was able to do. And that does a lot in the hidden and the unseen world. So that's one piece I think that's very key to know and to remember about Purim and about what we're supposed to be doing and learning from Purim. The second piece is so important because it totally reframed Purim for me when I saw it. People don't ask many questions about Purim, right? They don't ask many questions about Megillah Esther. This I heard once this year from Rabbi Yeshua Bachrach. He'd written many Swarim on Tanakh. He wrote a sefer on Megillah Esther. He said, Megillah Esther is the hardest thing to teach because you need to get people to throw out their old Megillah, meaning they get it when they're little kids and we stay with it. We, our minds turn off. I know the story. I know it back and forth. I've heard it thousands of times. And um, we tend to take it superficially. We don't ask questions about things that are enjoyable. Many people look forward to Purim. It's been a long time since Hanukkah. Tu Bishvat didn't really do much for people, oftentimes in their desire for a holiday. And here some people feel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you New Year's and Halloween and everything that you missed. You get it all there together and you celebrate. And if you try to take one of these people who are jumping up and down and say, what are you celebrating? So you say, they tried to kill us and they didn't kill us. We killed them, yay us, etc. Now, it doesn't really hold water. Right? First of all, right, it was... You can almost call it a minor skirmish. I mean, it saved Am Yisrael, but the numbers of people involved were not that much. And if you've gone through history, if you look at the scoreboard, they killed way more of us 
right? We don't have to go far back in history to see. So why would we be celebrating that victory over there? Perhaps even more troubling is that there was a certain professor here in Eretz Yisrael, a religious man. Now, I'm going to tell the story that people tell, even though a family member of his told me it's not true. So I'm certainly not going to mention his name. They probably know. But it was said he was very uncomfortable with Purim. He didn't like Purim because he felt it was barbaric. It's not a Jewish thing to be celebrating, even if you killed your enemies. You're celebrating killing them, stringing them up, you know, doing all these things. He says, it's not it. He was a halachic Jew, so he used to go to, he used to stay in Yerushalayim on the 14th. He would go to Tel Aviv at the appropriate time, you know, (laughs) before the 15th, and he would avoid Purim because he didn't want it. So, without getting into the details of his approach, but is there something to that? That doesn't seem to be something we, we celebrate that much. Amisho picks up the sword when they have to. It's really hakol kol Yaakov, We don't, if we need to, so then we take the cherev. But it's not something that we glorify so much. So here comes the svasemis. Now svasemis, in order to appreciate it, we just got to read a little bit from the Megillah. The Megillah is divided up by Jewish children into the boring part, the good part, and the second boring part. Right? All depending on how many humans there are to make noise with. So in the second boring part, so to speak, it really seems to go on and on and on about the dates that things happened. So remember, like we said in the beginning, that everything in the Megillah is very important. So let's look at the chronology. Right? It tells us that... Um, I'm sorry, it's, uh, right, it says that they fought on the 13th. Okay, that was the day in which they fought. And then they came to report to the king. And Esther asked, she said, Let the Jews in Shushan fight for another day. And to hang the sons of Haman. And so it was. So, Okay, now it goes back again to tell us what happened. It tells us about the fighting of those Jews outside Shushan. That all happened on the 13th of Adar. And they rested on the 14th. And they made that a day of Mishte and Simcha. The Jews in Shushan. They fought for two days, on the 13th and the 14th. And they rested on the 15th. And they made that the day of Mishta Vesimcha. And now it goes over it again. Al Kain. Right? That's what's done on the outside. And then it sums up again. Kayomim Asher Nochu Bohem Ayehudim Meoivehem. 
corresponding to the days that they rested from their enemies. So this is really, really important. Because the Swasema says, Mashekovu Ikar Hayomtov Bayom Hamanoach. Okay? Victory over your enemies. In the world, there are many people who have uh, victory days at the end of a war. Victory Germany and Victory Japan Day were very big in America for a while after World War II. Now, the day that you do that is on the day of victory. That's when you commemorate the victory. It's true, in the first year they couldn't do it because they were fighting. But in all the years afterwards, that should be the victory. As well, we know that our approach to Moadim is that when something happened, something miraculous happened, so a certain spiritual light came into the world, and we reaccess that light on the day of the miracle by the mitzvahs the Torah gives us. That's why Leil HaSeder is Leil HaSeder. That light that came into the world in the Leil HaSeder in Mitzrayim, in that first Pesach, comes in again and again. Here, the miracle of happened on the 13th, and in Shushan it also happened on the 14th. But we don't make the Yontav on that day. We make it the day after. So if someone asks me, you know, you see me with my silly hat, and my glass of, you know, Zinfandel or whatever it is, and they say, so, so what happened on this date? The answer is nothing. Nothing happened on this date. He explains. He says, Our simcha is not simcha of a military victory or of just killing these enemies. The idea of Amalek is they are preventers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence being revealed in this world through Am Yisrael. That's what we're here to do, and that's what they are here to prevent. Kemoshe Isa, like we find in the end of the reading in the Pasha Zohar, it says, Kiyod al right? That strange writing, case instead of kisei, ka instead of the full name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke. And about this, Chazal said, She'en Shmo Sholem, Hashem's name isn't whole, and Kiso Sholem, his throne isn't whole, Adshi Mochuzar Shalamolek, until the descendants of Amolek are erased. So the concept of Hashem's name and Hashem's throne means Hashem's presence being revealed in the world. So therefore, their joy was the defeat and the removal of this obstacle to Am Yisrael being able to be themselves and to bring HaKadosh Baruch into the world. So Am Yisrael are trying to do that, and the Rishonim are trying to prevent them, and mix them up, and depress them, and limit them. So what we're focusing on in our celebration is not so much, yay, we killed them. It's the idea that we're able to now be ourselves, right? We're all stronger, right? What Mordechai and Esther were so upset about was that Haman's final solution was trying to create a world without Am Yisrael. If there are no Jews in the world, 
So that means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence won't be in the world. This was what really upset them. And this explains the strange pasuk that Esther said. You know, it, it bothered me a little bit sometimes. It says, she said to HaKadosh If my people were just getting sold into slavery, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a whole, you know, hullabaloo about it. But he wants to eliminate us. And therefore, I'm doing this. Okay, because if Jews are in the world, we don't like to be limited in any way, but at least we can do. But here, this idea, we're going to be without it. After Amalek was eliminated, they received the Torah again from Nu, as it says, Hodr Kibluha. That the elimination of Amalek, it's reflected by a renewed Avasatur in Am Yisrael. Because that's the way the relation is supposed to be. Esau and Yaakov, comes and Nofel, one goes down, one goes up. The true elimination of Amalek is expressed in Avasatur. Okay, so this shows exactly how Purim is supposed to be celebrated. Some people make the mistake of thinking that God understands and he gives us one day a year where yeshiva guy can turn into a drunken frat brother, right? In which you can, you don't have to be Jewish for this one day. On this day, right, all the stops are out, party, right, like that. It's exactly the opposite. This is supposed to be the day that you're the most Jewish of any day of the year. The whole point of it should be that suddenly you experience the simcha of what it is, of how it's supposed to be. For that day, you look at a world of the morning after Purim, or the morning after the victory, which is Purim. The day of that victory of the sun coming up and being able to be who you're supposed to be. Rafutner said... Beautiful thought about the drinking on Purim. He said that it's brought in the Maral that wine increases the kohadimyon, the power of imagination. He says on Purim, Jews are supposed to get together and use the expression Yiddish, fantasirin zusammen. Says to, to dream our most beautiful dreams together. That's that's what it's supposed to be about. That we should be full of hope, full of joy, full of understanding of who we are and what we're supposed to be. Now he said, that's why also, once you step out of the cloud of Amalek, then you eliminate Amalek even more. That's why Esther asked for another day to fight. This is what the Pesach says, Ave Hashem Sinura, those who love Hashem hate evil, because only when you get out of it did you realize how much evil Amalek did to you. During that time that they were under Haman's cloud and gezerah. Okay, so that's why they were able to do it. And that's why it says in the Pesach, When HaKadosh Baruch Hu lets you rest, right, Timche, then a person fights against the evil that can prevent us. Now let's just note a second. This idea of Menucha, we often have the wrong picture, right? When it says that they celebrated the Yom HaMenucha. Menucha doesn't mean what we call now just chilling, right, or doing nothing. Menucha means when something is in its proper place. Right? Like Shabbos is a day in which people can be very, very busy, right, with the good things, 
with the things that are, that are right for them, that are appropriate for them. There's this Pasuk uh, in Tanakh which talks about Vatonach Haaretz. People like to point out the Targum there says, Veshodich Ara, meaning that Shiduch and Menucha go together. Right? That's what Nomi said to Rus and Orpa. Go get married and find Menucha in the house of your husband. Right? All of us here happen to be married. You can ask your wives if they had more Menucha after getting married or less. It's not necessarily what we would call Menucha. It gets very busy and it gets very complicated, but it means being the way you're supposed to be. That's what Purim is about. That's what the celebration is. And uh, the more a person can do that, that's actually the true Melchoma of Amalek. Right? He, says, he says like this, he says um, that in the Melchoma, he tishu kocha begashmius. In the physical war that they had, they weakened Amalek's power in Gashmius. Right? But then they came to the Menucha. When they were able to reconnect with their true root and to have true Menucha, Right, which means being able to be over Hashem b'simcha, hargos asher shol That itself is the bigger destruction of Amalek, because it's not just the physical manifestation of Amalek. That actually destroys the root of Amalek above. V'zeha ikar. That's the ikar, right? And that helps explain a bit also, because people say, why do we fast on Tainus Esther? Because right, that was when they were fighting. Right, that was the thing. But we seem to always imply that Purim itself is a day of Mechia Samalek. Even though, as we said, there was no fighting then. It's exactly it. You do Mechia Samalek in a much more powerful way by sitting with friends and giving Mishloach Manus and taking care of Yavyonim and helping people and loving people and singing Shiroz and Tishbachos to Hashem and all those things. That is the true Jewish martial art. Right? It's often... One point when I was a kid, I always wondered why is it that you know yeshivas didn't teach martial arts like these, you know, places in China and such that they would teach in their monasteries all these cool martial arts. We have different martial arts. The martial art of simcha and rikudim and shira and ava and Torah and mitzvahs and shiras and tishbochos, that's the way Jews fight. The Talmud Rebbe once uh, spoke. It was after, unfortunately, a terror attack. And there was some happy event in the community. It was a Suda of some kind. And he says, people shouldn't think that Jews sitting around the table and singing Zmiras now is because we don't relate to and don't think about the Tsar that happened. He said, this is the way we fight. And that's important because Purim isn't meant to be a day. Many people think that I have to forget about all the problems in life in order to be happy on Purim. Right, for one day, forget about these people that are sick or poor or got killed, all these kind of things. I just want one day to be able to have fun and party. No. Our simcha and, so to speak, partying is part of the campaign, is part of the battle. It is the most powerful and effective way that a Jew fights and a Jew is uh, meant to do these things. So that was the second piece on Purim. I'll add in one more piece just on Purim that's not from the Svasemis. It's from the Chasm Sofer, but it's also very important. Chasm Sofer, it's brought in the Torah's Moshe on Megillah Sester, says Megillah is a string of miracles. 
right? Hidden miracles that we put together that the Megillah is Megala, that it reveals to us. What's the biggest miracle in the Megillah? He says it's way at the beginning. It's at the beginning. What's that? He said the Surah of Achashverosh. That was the big one. He says, it tells us that Achashverosh, who was a person who knew how to drink, and the Chazal figured out, I think he said it was 116 days of straight party until that day when he asked Vashti to come before him. And somehow that day, he lost it and went crazy. He did stupid things. It was ridiculous for him to summon Vashti in that way. Vashti herself was very unintelligent in Chazal say that she really gave it to him. They fill in the dialogue and she told him what she thought of him and what he's worth compared to her father, etc. And um, the dumbest thing, again, was for him to kill her right, as a result of all that. He had liked her and then he killed her. Why was that the biggest miracle, said the Chassam Safar? Because he said the rest of the Megillah, it was wonderful and miraculous, but in certain ways it went according to the playbook. Meaning, Mordechai told Am Yisrael, listen, we're in trouble. They cried out, Zaka Gedolo Mara, Esther said, Sumo Alai, fast from me. Big tshuva gathering. Am Yisrael fasted, Am Yisrael did tshuva. Am Yisrael called out to Hashem. Hashem saved them. That's what we hope should be. He said, look, even Ninveh weren't Jewish, and they did that and worked for them. He says, but at the time of the Suda, Am Yisrael were doing the wrong thing. At that Suda, Mordechai told them not to go. They went and they enjoyed that Suda of that Russia where he took out the Kalim of the Beis Amikdash and he wore the clothes of the Kohen Gadol and they were there enjoying the kosher catering he brought for them. And uh, he brings the Chazal say there were thousands of Jews who went to this party. And at the very time that they were doing the wrong thing, HaKadosh Baruch was preparing the Yeshua for them. No tshuva had happened while they were doing the wrong thing. That's part of what the Megillah reveals. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always with us and always there and always preparing before even we do tshuva that Yeshua that we can access, which will be there. So that's why he said that that's the biggest miracle in the Megillah. So that's another thought to have. I'll just, maybe I'll just give it as a marimokum. Um, today was Zainader. So... The, um, when Moshe Rabbeinu led the battle against Amalek, so he sat up on this rock and he raised his hands. Right? That is uh, that image which is there. And the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah asks about this. The Pasuk said, When Moshe Rabbeinu raised his hands, Am Yisrael would be mighty, would overcome. But if he put his hands down, the governor Amalek. Amalek got stronger. And Chazal asked in the Mishnah, What is that hocus-pocus? Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, right? Make the war, break the war. To teach you that when Amisra would look up, they would subjugate their hearts to their Father in heaven. Then they would... Right, be strong and defeat them. Vimlav how you and if not, they would fall. So the Svasem is just asking this. He says, Wait a second. What is the mission's problem? Right, Yod of Shomoshe. Yod of Shomoshe did plenty of stuff for us. 
when you look in the Makos in Mitzrayim, right, Hashem says, Neteus Yodcha, either Matcha, either your Mate, or your hand. Moshe Rabbeinu's hands did a lot of things. They split Yamsuf. So what's the big thing? Do you think Moshe Rabbeinu's hands do something? He said, his hands are big stuff. And also, why did the Mishnah say, V'im lav hayu noflim, it says, if Moshe Rabbeinu didn't, or if Am Yisrael didn't look up and see this, they would fall. What it says in the Pesach is, V'govar amolek. Amolek would get stronger. Not that Am Yisrael would fall. Why would the Mishnah change the terminology? So he explains like this. He says, what's happening is that Moshe Rabbeinu, if, if this really depended on Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, he says, do you think he would be meniach yodov? Do you think he would put his hands down? Right? Imagine Am Yisrael fighting there in the battlefield, and suddenly the battle's going against them. No, but they see Moshe Rabbeinu's hands are going down. Moshe, <laughs> sorry, you know, he puts them on. He would never put them down. So he said, he had superhuman powers, right? He was able to go up to Arsinai, all these things. So he said, no. Moshe Rabbeinu's hands got strong when Bnei Yisrael looked up and remembered HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ve'imlav, and if they forgot, how you know from Moshe Rabbeinu's hands fell. It wasn't Bnei Yisrael falling, it was the hands falling. It says, because Moshe Rabbeinu was the Moshiach for Bnei Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had sent him to save Bnei Yisrael, HaKol Tolei Ba'achonas Bnei Yisrael. This is the picture of the interaction between Jewish leaders and those who follow them. It all depends on Bnei Yisrael. He says, Kol Yisrael nosim. The power of Jewish leaders to do comes from the Jewish people themselves. Okay? It says, Ha'aron nosiyas nosav. It says the Levim, who looked like they were carrying the Aron, the Aron was really carrying them. Chenu b'vnei Yisrael dome l'boron. Am Yisrael like that as well. Those who appear to be carrying Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael are really carrying them. Okay? So he says, Kasher yorim Moshe, when Moshe Rabbeinu raised his hands, it was a simon, Begovar Yisrael. That means Am Yisrael were strong, right? And that was what enabled him to do this. So that's a very important picture, Bichlal, of the leaders and followers of Am Yisrael, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was told that Chet Lech Reid, go down. Rashi said, Reid Migdulascha, go down from your lofty position you got. I didn't give you Gedula, only because of them. So he says, now he finishes with the following. Be'emes, Milchomazoi, Sachonelacholadoras. This Milchama of Moshe and Amalek at that point prepared the future battle for all generations. That's why it's written in the future tense. Kasher Yorim Moshe, not Kasher Herim, when he lifted, when he will, or Yoniach. Because he said, Yesh Doresh Shemisromim Yodav Shel Moshe, the government B'nai Yisrael. There are generations which Moshe Rabbeinu's hands are up. And he says, and there's time, and when Am Yisrael Mizgaber B'Torah, that means Moshe Rabbeinu's hands go up. Yoniach is when we weaken our grip on Torah. Okay, so he says, and after he said this, he said he found it in the Zara Kodesh in Parshas Truma. You can see that idea over there. So this is the key, right? Adar, it says, Haman was happy when the lot came out in Chodesh Adar because he said, Chodesh Shemes Ba Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu died. And the Gemara says that he didn't know the secret, Bezayin Ba'adar Meis, Bezayin Ba'adar Nolat. Right? So the question is, so what? You know, everybody who dies also was born. Doesn't stop the fact that he dies. So 
Some people like to explain that dying on your birthday shows a certain completeness. But Mr. Shapira mentioned, I think it was from B'tzorah Kakoin, he says, no, you read the Gemara differently. Haman didn't know Bazain Ba'adar Mace, that Moshe Rabbeinu died on the seventh of Adar, and on that seventh of Adar, the one that he died, Nolad. Haman, who comes from Esau, where death is the final arbiter of everything, he didn't understand that to Am Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu dying doesn't mean we lost him. It means that he simply was born into the next reality, and his power is here with us now. And through the Torah, we access that same power of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's how we're able to do what we do. So that's an important aspect of Parsha Zohar, which is there, an important part of what we're doing. Wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos and a Freilich and Purim. <laughs>